Man, it is so good to be here at Rise Church. Um, and before I, I jump in, I want to just say thank you to, to Pastor Aaron and Erica. Man, it's been, it's been great uh, over the last couple of days just hanging with you and, and hearing your heart for, for these people and for what God's doing in this region. And uh, uh, he talks about you guys. You know that, right? Behind your backs. He's like... <laughs> Like God's doing stuff with these people. And it's the truth. How many of you know it's the truth? It is. And I just want to let you know, um, you know, what he just said about generosity. I mean, he doesn't just say it. He lives it and speaks it. And, and uh, I've been served by this couple better than I've been served by a lot of churches that are much, much, much bigger than, than Rise Church right now. And so I want to say you're doing an awesome job. Uh, the heart of generosity is coming out of you guys. It's impacting this region and I just wanted you to honor your pastor and his wife. Can we do that? Aren't you thankful for, for the Grijalvas? Come on. So good. So good. It's so good to be here and to, to see what God has done. It's my first time actually coming to see what God's doing here. We were praying for Rise Church before there was one. Investing into one before there was one. And so it's exciting to see what God's doing and, and what he's done in the past, and he's going to do it even greater in the future. And so thank you for having me. As he said, I come by way of England. Uh, I lived in England. I was born there, lived there for 18 years, graduated school there. Uh, then I moved to God's country as fast as I could get here. Uh, found me a smoking hot Mexican wife, and the rest was, was history. I think I have a picture. Come on, somebody. If you got, look, come on. How many of you know God's been good to me? Come on. He has. Come on, come on, come on. So this is Miss B in the middle. Uh, and then my oldest, Max, right here is about to be 21, Lexi, uh, who's a phenomenal worship leader. She's about to be 20. And then my 17-year-old, who's my bud right now. Come on, McCade. Uh, God's been good. You know, they, uh, I invite them to come with me when I go out, but they're like, Dad, we like our own church serving Jesus there. And so how many of you know, as a parent, you don't argue with that. You're like, hey, you want to serve Jesus? Stay where you are. You know what I mean? You go and do it. And so... Um, my pastor is Pastor Jeff Little. I know many of you know Pastor Jeff Little, kind of a big Texas dude. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and two of my kids are with Pastor Jeff at Milestone College in Kella, Texas. And so this is a big family dynamic going on here today. And if you are ever in the East Texas area, we're right on the I-20 corridor between Dallas and Shreveport, Louisiana. You have a home there. Uh, in East Texas. We reach people, we build lives, we'd love to have you, sure enough. If you're online, again, I want to say welcome. We're in the middle of this series, or concluding it today, Running with Giants, and uh, pastors asked me to speak on the person of David, and I don't know if you've ever studied the life of David, but this is a powerful figure in the Old Testament, powerful man in the, in the, in the Bible. And Anybody ever familiar and read his story before? Anyone? A few of us? Okay. If you've never read it, I encourage you that maybe today would be like a teaser on the story of David, that you would maybe spend the rest of the week just diving into his life and his story, because I believe he's got something to teach each one of us. Amen? Have you been enjoying the series so far? I'm going to scoot this. Is okay if I move this over real quick? I feel like I'm running over there to get to it. There we go. Um, David went through some stuff. Anyone ever gone through some stuff? How many of you know stuff happens? It does, man. And David went through a lot of stuff, a lot of relational stuff, a lot of letdowns in his life, a lot of family dynamics where maybe uh, those that were closest to him that should have believed in him and spoke life over him actually didn't. And I wonder maybe as I say that today, that maybe there's some of you that are like, man, that sounds like my story. Man, that sounds like when, when mom or dad or my brother, my sister or aunt, uncle or whatever it might be, man, they actually spoke words of death over you instead of words of 
life. And I just want to challenge you as we see the story of a parent figure in David's life, not, not seeing the good in him and not believing the best for him. I want to challenge you if you're a parent, certainly if you're a man. Come on, if you're a dad and you have kids, moms as well, though, let's be the loudest cheerleaders for our kids in, our, in their lives. Somebody's going to be cheering your kids on for something. It may, it may as well be you cheering them on for their God calling in their life, their destiny in their life. Speak words of life, not death. There's enough death out there. Let's make sure it doesn't come from the parents in the home. Let's just encourage them in their gifts. Help them find what they are, and you push resources towards it so that they can be who God's called them to be. Amen? This is not a parenting class. We're talking about David, but you're going to see why I said that here in just a second. If you think about David, you may know him as the king of Israel. You may know him as a shepherd boy. You, you may know him as, uh, as the guy that killed the bears and killed the lions. Maybe you know the famous story of David and Goliath. The truth is, he had a lot of stuff going on. And all throughout his life, there seemed to be people that met him that didn't see what God saw. They didn't see the potential in his life. In fact, they called him down again and again and again. And I believe if David was here with us today, if he was sitting right here, like that, that'd be a cool deal, wouldn't it, Aaron? If we could like, if we could say to the Lord, okay, listen, what if we could get like a TED talk in our churches with like Moses or, or Joshua or, I mean, not, not like for like a year, just like a one-time deal. Just come on down. If David was sitting right here. And I think he'd look at me, he'd look at you. We wouldn't see an angry man. We wouldn't see a man who was confused that why did all these people not see my potential? I think what he'd actually do is he'd look at me and he'd look at you and go, hey, regardless of the limitations that somebody puts on you, you can be all that God wants you to be. Regardless of what people around you say, believe in your heart what God said to you, walk it out and be all that God has called you to be. It's a great story of this man. Lots of limitations, lots of successes, lots of running for his life, literally running for his life. And then eventually becomes the great uniter of Israel, the greatest king that Israel had ever seen. But as a young man, let's go way back to the beginning of his life. I mean, he, there was nothing kingly about David. He wasn't really much of a, a warrior or anything like that. In fact, he was the youngest in his family, the youngest in his family. And as a young, youngster, teenager, he didn't receive much affirmation. Again, that's why I said what I said about parents at the beginning just a few moments ago. Let's be encouragers of our kids. Let's be the loudest encouragers in their lives because David didn't have that from his family, uh, from his brothers, his sisters. You know, we see recorded in the Bible these battles against lions and bears as he was out in the fields looking after sheep. Those weren't his first battles. His first battles were with words of death. Limitations that were put on him by those that were closest to him. His own father didn't think that he was kingly material or warrior material. Perhaps you have the pain of that in your own life. Maybe a parent, maybe a dad, a mom, or some parent figure in your life that naturally kind of spoke down to you or told you that you weren't worthy or told you that you couldn't accomplish what you feel like God had called you to do, and you know that pain. Let me tell you something. You're in good company with David because he knows that pain. David's father, this man by the name of Jesse, he got really excited this one time when he heard that the prophet of God, Samuel, was coming to his house to anoint one of his sons to be the next future king of Israel. How many of you know that was an exciting moment in Jesse's heart, in Jesse's life, in, in his wife? I bet they didn't sleep a wink the night before Samuel showed up. I bet mom was like, which one is it? 
Which one's it going to be? He's got all these sons. And I'll bet they lay there in bed that night before going, it's got to be him. No, it's not him. It's got to be him. No, it's not. You always pick him. He's your favorite. No, 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 no. It's going to, I mean, they're just like excited. Which one's it going to be? Who is God going to choose as the next king of Israel? And uh, as it happened, he pulled all his sons together, all the ones he thought were kingly material, which were all of them except David. In fact, David didn't even get notified. He was left out in the field. Surely it's not David. Come on. David is not the next king. Come on. All right. He's 17. He's a kid. Let's just leave him out there. Get all the big dogs up front. It's going to be one of these guys. And even the the prophet Samuel kind of had that same flow of, of, of thinking and rationale as he starts looking at these young men, these boys that have been brought out before him. The reality is God had something else in mind. God had something else in mind. In in the scriptures, it says this. I'm going to read 1 Samuel. You can follow along on the screen. If you're at home, I want you to follow along with us as well. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. So it was uh, when they came that they looked at Eliab, one of their brothers, and they said, surely it's him. Come on. He must have been a big dude. He must have had like long flowing hair, big muscles, the whole bit. You just look at him and go, it's got to be him. Come on, it's got, that's the next king. And that's what's happening right here. Surely it's him. Verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, hold on a second. Don't look at his appearance. Don't look at his physical stature because I've refused him. How many of you know you don't want God to say that about you? Man, God's refused him? Whoa, hold on a second. I've refused him for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the, say it outward appearance but the lord looks at the at the heart at the heart jesse parades his sons before the man of god god didn't choose any of them because god doesn't care about giftedness or talent or skill sets he wants heart he wanted david the one whose heart was connected to him it's so reassuring to me that regardless of what anybody thinks about me god looks at the inside and goes that's what i can work with I see your heart, okay? And he's saying the same thing to you today, watching online or even in this room. And so even though David's own dad didn't bring him to the party, so to speak, his own dad didn't celebrate his life in this moment, I want you to look at David's response to these things that kept happening in his life. This is from a little later on in his life. In the book of Psalms 139, he says this. He says, you formed my inward parts. I mean, he's talking to the Lord. You formed me. You created me. You knitted me together. You covered me in my mother's womb. Watch this verse right here, verse 14. I will praise you. You know, sometimes, church, you have to tell yourself to praise. Sometimes you don't feel like it. Anybody else ever been there? I'm a pastor, and sometimes I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. Sometimes you have to tell your soul to rejoice in the Lord. Sometimes you have to tell yourself, I will worship my God. Sometimes you have to say, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, O God, and my soul knows very well. My soul knows very well. Even though David's dad didn't celebrate him, he got his strength from his heavenly father. He got his identity from his heavenly father. That's a word for somebody in here today, maybe somebody watching online. Regardless of what your earthly parents have said over you, about you, to you, your strength comes from the Lord. Your identity comes from him. Know who you are in Jesus. Know who you are in Christ. The Bible has a lot to say about his sons and his daughters, and that's you. You know, it didn't stop with dad. His own brothers even kind of carried this on. 
His own brothers didn't really uh, think he had warrior potential, shouldn't be here, shouldn't be around. You know, you can see the story really of rejection between David and his brothers. You see, Israel was at war with the Philistines, and a couple of David's brothers had been drafted to the front lines. David, again, was left in the fields watching the sheep. And Jesse, David's dad, said to David, take these sack lunches to your brother. I want, it, I want you to give them food and then bring me a report. I want to know what's going on at the front. He kind of aged out of the whole military season, and he's like, I want to know what's going on. I want to know what's happening at the front. And so David goes down there with these lunches and brings news back. He's going to bring news back to his dad. But when his brothers see him, they're like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You shouldn't even be here, especially when David showed some interest in this enemy called Goliath. Anyone heard of this story? As soon as David's like, what's going on? Why is nobody fighting this guy? He's defying the armies of the living God. He's saying things about my God. Man, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll go shut that guy's mouth. You know, and the brothers are like, who are you, shepherd boy? You shouldn't even be here. In fact, that's what, exactly what his older brother said. Look at this passage right here. I'm going to read out of verse 28. Now, Eliab, the oldest brother, uh, heard when David was talking to the other man. I'm sure David was just kind of spouting off a little bit, just kind of like young guys do, you know, full of gusto and, you know, cockiness and like, I can do it. You know, what's happening? And his older brother hears him. And look what it says. Eliab's anger was aroused against David aroused against David. And he said to him, why are you even here? Why did you even come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the desert? You know, who's doing your insignificant job for you while you're here? And he says, I know your pride. I know the insolence of your heart. You've only come here to see the battle. I mean, come on, spoken like a true brother. Come on, somebody. Brothers. Anyone had any brother or sister issues growing up? Even as an adult, come on, somebody, please don't point your brother and sister out if they're in the room. All right, okay. His own brother saw him as nothing more than an errand boy that was nosy and wanted to kind of see some action. His own brothers didn't see his potential. His father didn't see his potential. You know, it's so easy at times to miss the potential in people because of familiarity, right? And so I just want to challenge you, okay? Just, just be aware of f being too familiar with people around you. I'm not talking about being friends or like, like getting close to someone, but you can get so close to someone that you forget who they are. You forget what God said about them, especially in a church. You know what I mean? It's like, man, sometimes God said something about someone, and you're like, man, I want to, I want to honor that. I want to push that forward. I want to be all that I can be to help you be who God's called you to be. But familiarity can get in the way especially in families. And so just be aware of that, okay? That's, uh, just, that's for free. No extra charge on that piece right there. That's for free. So it didn't stop with his dad, didn't stop with his brothers. Now David's at the front lines, and the king, King Saul, hears that there's somebody in the camp that's spouting off about this enemy, Goliath. And he does what any good leader would do, bring me that guy. I want to talk to him. I want to talk to him. Man, the king is afraid. The armies are afraid. This is bad. If there's someone here that's ready to do it, I want to get him in, okay? And so Saul's probably expecting some, like, big kind of, like, I almost said butch. Can I say that? Just a big, uh, big muscle guy, just whatever, to come in and walk through the door. Some warrior with a big axe, big sword. Instead walks in a 17-year-old-ish David, a kid. You know, a young man, uh, probably dressed like a shepherd, probably smelled like a shepherd. Come on, somebody. 
you know, sandals on, like kind of lunchbox snap, knapsack here, that, you know, doing errands for dad. I'm sure King Saul, when he saw him, was like, are you serious? I mean, what, you know, what's going on? It's amazing, you know, how many times people just misjudged the God touch on David's life. Maybe it's happened in your life as well. But the king didn't see him as a champion. The king didn't see him as a warrior. And so, man, you can, you can, you can see David right here in this scene as he's walking into the king's chambers, if you like. And he says this as the shepherd boy walks in. In 1 Samuel 17, 32, David says, Let no man's heart fail because of this, this guy, this Goliath. No man for your servant. Talking about himself. I'll go fight him. I'll go fight him. Come on, talk about some gusto. Get up there. Let's get it done. Someone's got to do it. May as well be you, right? And you can see Saul's skepticism in his response as he says to David in verse 33, you can't do it. That's what he said, just like that. You can't do it. He says, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight with him. You're a kid. That's what the king said. You're a youth. He is a man of war. He will chew you up and spit you out. Even the king didn't think he was up to the task. We're talking about King David here as a boy, the great uniter of the nation of Israel, the man that the Bible calls a man after God's own heart. Everybody that comes into contact with him, he ain't the guy. He ain't the guy. He ain't the guy. He can't do it. You can't do it. You're not a warrior. You're a kid. You shouldn't even be here again and again and again and again. Man, we're talking about lessons from giants' lives in the book of the Bible. And I hope that you're learning something from this man's life right here. The king to make up for David's appearance and shortcoming says, well, if, you're gonna, if you have a death wish, I'll let you go. Um, take my armor, which he could say very easily because he wasn't using it. Come on, somebody. Hold on. So he puts the, his armor, Saul puts his armor on David, and David's like clanking around like, I mean, it was built for a warrior king, not a teenage boy. And David's like, I can't wear this, man. He's tripping over everything. And he's just like, take it off. Man, I can't wear it. And David, even in that moment, didn't allow his intimidation being in front of a king, the bulky armor tripping him up. Didn't, he didn't allow it to stop him from being who God's called him to be and accomplishing what God had called him to do. He went out to face Goliath just like he was a boy. A boy who knew what God had called him to do, and he just went and did it. Man, I just challenge you, Rise Church, just say yes. Just say yes. Ask God what he wants you to do and just do that. It's amazing what happens when you're obedient and you say yes to Jesus. So he goes to face Goliath. Are you guys tracking with me? David, we've got his dad that didn't approve. We've got his brothers that didn't approve. We've got the king that don't approve. Now the enemy he's going to fight looks at him and goes, seriously? Are you kidding me right now? It's like the final insult in the story. As David steps out onto the battlefield, you can hear just the tension in Goliath's voice, almost just like offended that the army of Israel would send this guy. You can read it. It's right here. Verse 43. He, Goliath, the enemy, says, Am I a dog that you would come at me with sticks? I mean, he's offended. He's like, That's the best you got? A kid? A shepherd boy? And then he goes on to say, it says that he cursed David by the Philistine gods. Just throws curses at David as he's approaching this giant on the battlefield. And as he's getting closer, the Philistine said to David, come on, little boy. Come on. 
I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air, to the beasts of the field. What's he saying there? He's saying, you're not even worthy of a proper burial. I'm going to crush you. And with that, the battle commenced. Man, if you've not read the story, you absolutely should. You should go home and read it. Come on, somebody. Read it to your kids. Make sure they know this stuff. How many of you, I had the privilege of growing up in a church like this where we heard stories like this from being very little. Anyone else have that background? Okay, if you don't, you do it. You do it. Man, one thing I've learned as a parent is it's not the church's job to teach my children the word of God. It's my job as a dad. You know, we get our kid. I'm a pastor of a church, and we get other people's children, and we love it. We're honored and privileged. Pastor Aaron and Erica, they're privileged that you would release your children into their care for an hour on a Sunday morning. Did you hear what I said? An hour on a Sunday morning. There's a lot more hours in the week where someone's investing in them, someone's teaching them something. So I just challenge you to bring this stuff up around the dinner table. Get the phones down for just a second. Open the Word of God a little bit. Make it interesting. By the way, if you know the story, you can tell it with a little bit more enthusiasm. Rather than just reading the story. Come on, somebody. Was that too much? That was too much. I apologize. Those of you right there. All right. Okay, okay. So, Goliath is, is fired up. He's pulling on, you know, his arm. He's getting ready to crush David in this moment. Nobody around David saw his potential. But the one thing I want you to know today about David is he didn't let the limitations of others slow him down from who God had called him to be. He didn't let the limitations his dad put on him, his brothers put on him, the king put on him, even the enemy uh, that he was going out to fight. He didn't let them slow him down. And what he also didn't know is when he killed Goliath, if you don't know the story, this is a bit of a spoiler right here, but he ends up killing Goliath with a slingshot. You know, he, it was the weapon that he used in the fields, protecting the sheep. He knew how to use it. And whew, right in the, Goliath's head, he falls to the ground. It's not what actually killed him. What actually killed him was he walked over to the giant, took his own sword, and cut his head off in that moment. I think that's a great picture of giants in our life. Some of you are facing giants right now, giants of finances, giants of relationship issues, giants with your kids' issues. All kinds of giants come up against us. And you know when they're the loudest giants in our life? When you kind of like, when you kind of stand up and you look at them and you're like, okay, I'm feeling like I can, I'm going to attack this thing. The closer you get to them, the louder they get, just like Goliath did. Come on, you dog. Come on, you think you can do this? But David stood firm in the power of the Lord. Don't miss that. Not your strength, but the strength of the Lord. And this Goliath, this, this, this giant in his life starts screaming at him as he's getting closer to him. But David knew that his strength didn't come from stones or swords or men or armies or kings. It came from the Lord. And he knew how to encourage himself in the Lord. He knew how to silence the voices, the negative voices around him that were telling him what he couldn't do. And he said, I know what God's called me to do. And he just did it. So good. Pastor, that's good preaching. Praise God right there. Amen, Pastor. I'm going to give you very quickly, I want to give you three things. If you're taking notes, these are some things maybe to write down so you can look at this week. Three quick lessons on limitations from David's life. Number one, limitations don't limit us unless we let them. Man, that's good. They don't limit you unless you allow them to. Unless you let them limit 
you. Again, all the people around David's life, you know, didn't think he had any potential. And he could have taken that to heart. Instead of believing in what the Lord and what the Lord had said, he could have gone, well, you know, dad knows me better than anyone. That's probably right. That's probably right. No. Who does the Lord say you are? Man, again, if you're not in the Word of God, if you don't know how to read the Word of God and you're not spending any time outside of being here on the weekend, let me just say something. I am so glad you're here on the weekend. Keep coming. I'm just telling you, if you want to grow spiritually, stay in this environment because what Pastor and the team will do here is help you grow spiritually. They'll teach you how to read your Word. They'll teach you how to talk to Jesus, and that's how you can know who you are right? And so if you don't know how to do it for yourself, stay in a place where you can be shown how to hear God's voice, okay? Because that's how David moved through these seasons and how he didn't let the limitations of others get on him. Why? Because he knew what God said. It's hard to do what God says if you don't know what God's saying, amen? It's hard to know who God says you are if you don't know what God says about you. So limitations don't limit you unless you let them. Uh, Romans 8, verse 31. It's a powerful scripture that many of you have known, maybe heard, maybe even memorized. It said, if God is for us, who can be against us? Do you believe that? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who can bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies You know what? You don't need to justify yourself. If you're walking in the favor of God, you know you're doing what God's called you to do. You don't have to justify yourself. Let God do it. Let God do it. Let God speak for you. Let God fight your battles. Let God direct your steps. Your job is to be faithful to take the next step. Just say yes. Amen. Just keep saying yes. That's one thing I've learned. I've been in ministry for 25 years. I was a pastor's kid, as young as Pastor Aaron's kids running around the church right now, serving and doing stuff. I was that kid once. I was that kid. Now I've got three young adults that love Jesus and serve in the church. And let me just tell you something. It's like, man, I, I, I want that for you. Pastor wants that for you. Stay in an environment. Let your kids serve, but you've got to tell them who they are you got to tell them who God says that they are. Because the world, man, it's louder today than it's ever been. Your kids have got voices left, right, and center trying to define them, trying to tell them who they should be. Let's be the loudest voices. Come on, let's get them in church. I don't even know why I'm saying that. Come on. Oh, bottom line, David knew who he was. There you go. you got to know who you are. you got to know who you are. Uh, Let's go to number two if you're taking notes. Again, we're talking about limitations. Uh, Don't try to be someone else. This is good. Don't try to be someone else when others impose limitations on you. Comparison is a killer. That's one thing I've learned doing what I do for a living, doing what I do uh, really as as a God call on my life. It's not a job for me. It's a call. Uh, But comparison can just kill, especially in the season like we've all just come through where everyone went online. You know what I mean? It's like, man, you just start watching this and watching that and you know, if you're, let me help you here, okay? If you're trying to be pastored by somebody online, that's a, that's a tough way to grow because it's not really a relationship. It's more just like you watching a sermon, okay? Like a podcast. You just can't be pastored by a podcast because the pastor's not in the room going, hey, remember when you said this or remember when you did that? Let's just talk about that. That's really how you be pastored is when someone can say, hey, here's what the word says. Here's what I see you doing. 
okay? So let me encourage you. If you're online, Pastor Aaron said it already today, it's time for you to come on back. Come on back. Get in the house of God. Get in a small group. Get around some people that can help you grow and help you develop. Um, I don't even know why I'm saying this. Why am I talking about this? Don't, don't, don't try to be so, oh, comparison. When you look at your neighbor, man, all of a sudden you can be like, man, why aren't I doing that? Why hasn't God done that for me? Let me tell you what would be a problem. If I looked at Pastor Aaron and everything that God's called him to do, and I tried to do it because I liked what his assignment was for him instead of the one that God's given me, I'm in the wrong. Because God's given me an assignment. God's given me something to do, and he has you as well. He's given you something to do that is custom made for you. So don't try to be somebody else. Be who God has called you to be. Let's go to number three, if you would, in your notes. Number three, uh, when you rise above your limitations, you can help others do the same. This is so, so good. So good. The day that David fought Goliath, the day that he killed Goliath, all he had in his mind was defeating Goliath. That was it. He didn't walk out there going, man, this is going to be so powerful for the nation of Israel. Man, it's going to set him free. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to be a king. He just, he just heard somebody talking bad about his king, about his God. And he said, I'm not going to let that happen on my watch. I'm going to do something about it. And so he went out to do what God had called him to do. He had no idea that his victory would be Israel's victory. And I want to say the same thing to you today. There's so much power in your yes. When you say yes to serve on a serve team here, when you say yes to lead a small group, when you say yes to help in the next step classes here, when you say yes to bring a friend or to, to move to another service time or whatever it might be, every time you say yes, you have no idea what that yes is going to do in somebody else's life. Yeah. I'm telling you, I have seen this over and over and over again. The speed of your growth is directly tied to the speed of your yes. So if you're, if you're feeling like God's calling you to do something, if you feel like he's calling you to, maybe you should do, just do it. Say yes and start growing. And the reality is this. Your growth will spur on other people's growth. Your victory will spur on other people's victory. Because the moment Goliath fell, that all the heads of the armies of Israel went, did you see what just happened? Hey, if God was with David, he's going to be with all of us, surely. Let's go. Charge! And off they went. And with that, they routed the whole Philistine army because of one person being obedient to what God had called them to do. Man, what has God called you to do, sir? Ma'am, what's he called you to do? Are you doing it? If not, you not only could be hindering your own growth, but the growth of people around you as well. Man, I love what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 5, verse 1. He said, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. We like that word. and We like the feeling. We like the fruit of freedom. But let me just remind you as followers of Jesus, it's not just for you. What God has given Matt Benson is not just for me. It's for you. What God has given you, it's not just for you. It's for others. It is for freedom that Christ has given his life. Not just for me, but for the people around me and the people around you. We're not free for ourselves. We're free to help others find freedom in Jesus. Hey, if you're new to Rise Church, let me just tell you, that's the heartbeat of this church, to help others find freedom in Jesus to help reach them and build their lives, to help them to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. You know, as I was talking today, you know, maybe it took you a moment to kind of get over my mixed up accent, but then you kind of dialed in a little bit. You know, you're like, okay, 
maybe as I was talking about family and dads and, you know, brothers and leaders kind of being down on David, maybe something in your past, maybe something you're currently going through just kind of bubbled up a little bit. That could be really one of two things. That could be the enemy of your soul trying to discourage you. Or, everyone say or. or. It could be the spirit of the living God convicting you to get this area fixed and dealt with in your life. You, you've got to decide which one it is, right? And you've got to ask God, God, are you trying to speak to me now? God, why did that come up just now? Why did that just rise up? That, that, that thing my mom said over me years ago, that thing my dad did to me, said to me years ago, those, you know, whatever it is, God, why did that just come up? God, what do you want to do? What do you want to say in me right now? And I just want to encourage you. Maybe someone spoke over you at one time that you're illegitimate. Let me tell you, you are not illegitimate. Regardless of the situa situation and circumstances of your birth or how you came into this world, you are who God called you to be. You are, you are put on this planet for such a time as this. God has a plan and a purpose and a calling for your life. You're not illegitimate, regardless of what someone said about you. You're a child of the Most High God. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? You're not second rate. You're not second best. You're a son and the daughter of the King. He doesn't have grandchildren. Don't you love that? Come on, somebody. God doesn't have grandchildren. He has sons and he has daughters, and they're all his favorites. Come on. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm God's favorite. And you can turn to the person on the other side and say, he likes you pretty good too, yeah. Honestly, you're not small. You're not insignificant. God's got plans for you, plans for good and not for evil, plans for a hope and a future. And I just challenge you, church, keep growing in your faith. Keep saying yes as Pastor Aaron calls you to new levels. Keep doing whatever you can do to reach those that are far from Jesus. It's the closest thing on the heart of God. Let it not be all about you. Let it be all about him and just say, Jesus, whatever I can do to help build this church, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. I just challenge you here today. God took a simple shepherd boy and he became the greatest king in Israel. What could God do in your life?